What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm very, very excited to connect with my friend James here tonight. So we're going to get into all kinds of awesome stuff. Hopefully another solution-focused episode, although I know we like to get, uh, you know, we like to talk about the craziness of the world, too. So you're going to get a nice dose of both. I uh, thank all of you for being patient there on the Rockfin live stream. Uh, I know I was told you I was going to go live a few minutes earlier, but that's okay. Life happens, man. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's, you gotta just like, I wear so many hats throughout the day. It's hard to just jump in and transition immediately into this. And it's like, there's so much show prep that goes on. So you're pay, you patiently awaited to now sit here and listen to me talk about promotional stuff, but that's okay. It's okay, guys. I mean, this is just all part of the deal. So rebunk.news is the website, head over to rebunk.news and please make sure you sign up on the email list. That way you get all the notifications about any cool things going on here. And then, um, you know, notifications about when I go live and, uh, try to stick to that as best I can, but you know, some things happen. So there's all the video platforms we're on you guys. So we're streaming live right now on Rockfin and rumble, uh, Matthew Raymer at content safe takes the stream and pushes it out to all these other video platforms. And so, uh, if you're a content creator looking to diversify, make sure you check out contentsafe.co for help with that. Um, I'm on all audio, audio podcast players. So subscribe on the go. That way you can, uh, listen on the go. Um, let's see, social media is, uh, at rebunked news on pretty much everything. So if you look up rebunked news on, uh, telegram, Instagram, all the Twitters, all that stuff, you're going to find me. And I'm mostly, I'd say telegram is the best spot. T.me forward slash rebunked news. And I, I just opened up a, a telegram chat for all the people and that's rebunked chat. I don't have a link up here yet, but, uh, check out t.me forward slash rebunked chat and you can get in and chat with your other rebunked friends. And also at the bottom of the main page, rebunk.news, you're going to see all the value for value donation options. While I still have these platforms, while I still have access to banking and Venmo, you know, who, I mean, PayPal, I mean, who knows when that gravy train is going to run out. So in the meantime, you know, you can throw a tip in the jar that way. Uh, a couple other ways to throw a tip in the jar. If you get any value out of the show, cause we are a value for value show. Uh, we got the give, send, go, give, send, go.com forward slash rebunked. And then if you want to be a monthly reoccurring, donor uh subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked which i'm horrible at putting out premium content but you know that's just a way to you know become a reoccurring donor if you want to um oh yeah i was gonna well we'll talk about that in a minute so uh, also the t-shirt shop is rocking you guys so the flag behind me by popular demand yes we do have the beavis are you threatening me shirt in stock look at that 16 bucks dude 16 bucks plus shipping you can't go wrong and you get the official Beavis, are you threatening me shirt? Um, we have the new version of the Fauci gave us all AIDS shirt, right? Because, you know, Fauci gave us all AIDS again is kind of what I think we should actually change it to because he uh, helped uh, perpetuate whatever it was that happened in the 80s by delivering um, pharmaceutical drugs that actually made the problem worse and perpetuated whatever that was. And then now again with his VAIDS vaccine acquired immune deficiency syndrome that everybody seems to be getting. Thanks a lot, Fauci. So um, you can represent and let all your friends and neighbors know by your Fauci gave us all age shirt. We got uh the got any new conspiracy theories, all my old ones came true shirt, classic, classic design, uh rebranded in the rebunked brand. And so anyway, a whole bunch of different shirts, guys. Rebunk.news forward slash shirts or links to all of these things are on the webpage there. So rebunk.news is your launching off point. Um, we got the heavy metal detox over at truthtrs.com. And then, of course, 
Richard Groves autonomy course. Like I can't speak highly enough of this. Uh, we are coming up on week nine, I believe week nine is tomorrow and just learning all kinds of crazy stuff and meeting some amazing people. Uh, one of which is a graduate with me here tonight. So I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit, but, um, yeah, so uh, links to Truth TRS and Autonomy are both in the episode description if you guys want to learn more about that. All right, we'll get into some more of those, that fun stuff in a minute. But in the meantime, let's bring in James, dude. James, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. There he is. What's sure, up, man. James? What's up, Scott? How you um, been, man? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. So we've been kind of, we've been chatting on the interwebs and you're as you put it, your digital ghettos, right? <laughs> like I love that, right? dude. In the digital ghettos where we've been relegated to in all of these uh, public spaces, like we don't get to have conversations like normal people, apparently. So we have to create our own. Well, not ghettos. in that space. Yeah, no, not in that space. No, and honestly, you know what? I I, I don't want to be there. I mean, you know, I, I it's I'm fine with having our own little places, right? These are our safe spaces. These are our safe spaces where we can do what we want, man. So there you go. Well, shoot, dude. Uh, well, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, kind of, I mean, there's so much, oh, wow. I don't even know where to begin, but just like, like, <laughs> like, uh, what, what do you, okay. What, what's, what's your favorite thing that you're working on these days? Uh, well today I would say my favorite thing that I'm working on, uh, cause I just got done putting out a new episode of Liberty radio yesterday. So typically what I'll do is, is take a couple of days off to kind of regroup and refocus before diving into the next one but mm -hmm. uh, i'm already anticipating that the next episode is probably going to be a little bit more um uh time intensive to put together than uh than the normal episode is because again it's we're getting towards the end of the year so i thought hey since i've actually done like a full year or almost a full year of shows now you know why not go ahead and do like the uh the token retrospective episode at the end of the year there you go so i've been yeah i've been kicking around a lot of ideas for what exactly i want to do and i haven't really managed to settle on anything just yet um but again we're we're early in that process so uh it's more than likely going to take shape over the course of the next couple of days and in about a week i'll I think i'll probably be ready to start throwing it together okay well <laughs> one thing I talk about a lot on the show is like the, the art of thumbnails, right? I feel that thumbnails are mm -hmm. one of the most important things when it comes to podcasting and just grabbing people's attention, you know, and you are like one of the, the thumb master Kings, man. Like you just knock oh, it out of the park you. every single, every single time. It's just hilarious. That's like one of the big charms of the shows that I know that you're just going to nail it with the thumbnail. So this is Liberty radio. We got your uh, Odyssey channel pulled up here, but tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. uh, grand theft world, Liberty radio. So Grand Theft World Liberty Radio is an idea that has evolved over time. So uh, I first came into contact with Richard Grove um, about midway through 2020. I believe it was an appearance that Richard had made on uh, the Corbett Report, uh, James Corbett's podcast that first introduced me to Richard Grove and his work. And when I found out that Richard was starting a podcast called Grand Theft World that uh, was basically looking at the insanity that has been occurring uh, in our shared reality space since January of 2020 and kind of breaking down week by week uh, the, uh, the progression that was being made towards finishing the work uh, of Agenda 2030 
I became really, really intrigued with this man called Richard Grove mm -hmm. and, uh, and his mind and how he researched and how he went about presenting the material uh, that he researched. I mean, I was already well down the, uh, the conspiracy rabbit hole, if we uh, want to keep calling it that. I just call it alternative history myself. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I was well versed in a lot of that material before I encountered Richard in his work and Richard really acted as uh, the cement, if you will, to take all these different parts and pieces that I had collected on my own throughout the years and really start to put them together into uh, an image that, you know, helped me make sense of what was going on uh, in the world. And uh, long story short, because I do have a tendency to do that, I eventually ended up rolling in the uh, enrolling in the autonomy course myself, went through the course curriculum, graduated, started freelancing for Autonomy Unlimited. And uh, in the course of, of those interactions, I had heard Richard say more than once that he wished that there was, a, you know, like a secondary podcast for the Grand Theft World audience so that it wasn't, you know, just the, the Sunday night broadcast that they were relying on week to week to, to get their information uh, in their context and uh, uh, alternative history, if you will. Um, and uh, that was kind of kind of what got me started. Um, I've always been into music. It's always been a big part of my life since I was a, a little, little kid. Um, it, funny story is uh, back when I was uh, five years old, I don't remember exactly how it was that I got it, but I got a cigar box and somehow or another, the idea came into my head to build a cigar box guitar because I wanted a mm. guitar. Uh, but, you know, I was five years old, so it wasn't like I could just go out and get a job and, and get a guitar. Um, so I built my own guitar at five years old, crappy as it was, you know, cigar box. And uh, I don't know, it was probably like a, uh, a cardboard tube and rubber bands and, and all of that stuff. And uh, it quickly fell apart, but it started a love affair with music that has continued up until this day. And of course, as you can probably tell, I'm a huge fan of uh, the work of James Evan Pilato over at Media yeah. Monarchy. Um, and all of these different factors kind of converged around this time last year where I decided, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my own show. Um, I'm going to get it started and we're just going to see where it goes. And uh, 43 episodes later, it's still going strong and picking up new listeners every single episode. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually a community that has now sprung up around Liberty Radio. And some of the folks that are part of that community aren't part of the Grand Theft World community, which is, is kind of odd uh, to see that uh, evolution take place. But um, I don't think it's in its final form quite yet. I think there's still some tweaking that I can do to it to make it uh, even better and provide even more value for the audience. Uh, but it's been an amazing journey up to this point. And uh, my, my main hope is that, you know, it just adds more value to the people who come in contact with it and, and who enjoy consuming the content. That's awesome. So what type of music do you generally play? Is it like Liberty minded music or is it, uh, so just tell us, tell us a little bit. I've, I've heard your show for the like, most like, part. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what is it? Give us a yeah, breakdown for yeah. the most part. I mean, it, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that Liberty radio was, uh, was a platform for 
the musicians that were being marginalized because of the censorship that we were seeing that came literally sweeping in uh, with the whole COVID narrative. And that's not to say that there wasn't censorship occurring before that, but it seems like once that all kicked off, like things went into another gear. Um, and, and censorship literally went wild across the board on every big tech platform. So before I had developed the idea for the show, what I was witnessing was that all these people who were creating great art, these, um, musicians, comedians, uh, even, even visual artists, right. They were all getting marginalized. They were getting siloed into, like one corner of the social ghettos and their reach was being extremely limited. And these were people who were all, you know, not just trying to, to add to the aesthetic value of the world by creating a great piece of art. They were also trying to help inform people by getting good information out through the medium of art. Um, and they were being prevented from doing that by all of the gatekeepers in big tech. So I was like, okay, well, one of the things that we definitely need to do with this thing called Liberty radio is to make sure that these voices are getting out to people and that there is a place where they can go to present what they have created so that it can be shared with a wider community and, and hopefully touch other people's lives and make a difference in those lives that it touches. That's amazing, man. You know, the thought it just occurred to me too. So I have a friend, Adis, uh, Adi, he's a friend of the show. He's been on a few times. He has a radio station himself. He has a, like an actual, like mm. FM, like a, not an FM, but like an internet radio station. Um, yeah. I should like put you guys together and you can do like a, maybe like a, like an hour, like a Liberty radio hour or something like that. Or something. Anyway, we can talk offline, but I'm just like spitballing. That, that would that be interesting. Like, yeah. Cause he's, he's a big time. One of us and like, he's a super good guy. He's been a big supporter of the show over the years. So um, yeah, nice. I'll, I'll put you guys in touch. That's fantastic. But it's, and so my, my whole thinking goes to like with him, he's always, he's not always, but he talks about his, um, how he always has to pay like licensing fees. Like I can't remember what it is, mm -hmm. but it's like every year you have to pay like a licensing fee in order to play other people's music. Is that something you have to worry about being that you're playing like Liberty minded music or you just, you just rolling, running and gunning. Uh, no, we're, uh, Liberty radio is all about flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, licenses and, uh, yeah. you know, getting, uh, getting the proper, uh, credentials to be able to use, uh, other people's work, uh, is not something that we place <laughs> a, a high priority on, uh, I feel Liberty you. Look, radio. I'm, I'm taking people's intellectual property and making t-shirts out of it. It's like, well, I figured they stole the Beavis and Butthead image. And so I'm, we did a modifier to the image to make the t-shirt so it's not the same guns right and i guess like the intellectual property it's like if you change it 20 percent, then it's like fair use or something like that so it's like something so it, yeah something, something weird like, like that. that i don't know but anyway i mean maybe there's some like ethical quandary conundrum with it but it's like you know what people kept hitting me up and saying we want a t-shirt i'm like okay fine we're doing a t-shirt james yeah. is like the people need music so we're gonna we're gonna give them music we don't care <laughs> yeah. yeah people yeah. people need uh people need that uh that release uh, that, mm -hmm. that music and to a greater extent, all other forms of art, uh, provide in their lives. And a lot of it comes to, from like my own thoughts, as far as intellectual property is concerned, because it, I can see it from the standpoint of, okay, uh, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, right? I spent, uh, however many hours developing this melody and this harmony and, uh, fine tuning the lyrics to get them letter perfect so that, you know, everything just uh, 
uh, flows together perfectly. Right. I, I understand because uh, I've been a songwriter myself at uh, at an earlier point in my life. I understand the work that goes into creating that piece of art. But as I've gotten older, one of the things that I think I have come to understand is that when people create something, whether it's a song or a video or a painting or what have you, doesn't matter what it is, when you create something, you are actually channeling something that is outside of yourself, right? Like the, um, the, the poets and whatever back in, in, uh, uh, history would uh, call it the muse, right? The muse was bringing them inspiration and allowing them to produce whatever it was that they were creating. Um, so as I've gotten older, I've come to understand that, uh, intellectual, the concept of intellectual property, um, and especially the laws that have been put uh, in place to uh, protect intellectual property um, are really more about constricting people's ability to be creative than they are about rewarding people for creating things. Sure. So that's yeah, that that's kind of, you know, where I come from with it. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense, man. And I, I can feel that. I mean, sometimes like, you know, you, the, the inspiration comes sometimes just gets downloaded. I mean, I'm a musician myself, you know what I mean? Like, I, yes, I know what you mean. And all kinds of various things, whether it's like a song, like the lyrics, it's almost like you're just channeling it. Like it just comes out. There's been several songs mm -hmm. that I've written where it's like the lyrics just appear. Like, it's just like, I, I like, I remember one time I just sat up in bed and I'm like, Oh, I had this idea for a song. And it just came out, man. And I just like sat there and wrote, it's crazy how that stuff happens. And it's almost to the feeling where it's like, I'm just the vessel. I'm the intermediary. Like this, this right. idea even either exists out there already, or there's something that's like creating this uh, energy that's forcing my hand to create this. You know, it really is a powerful experience. It's like that. That's like the ultimate like flow state and some crazy like expression of the universe. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, but, but you, so you know what I'm talking about though, like just being in oh, awe yeah. of that, like flow state of just like, whoa, just completely in tune just completely like plugged in and like, okay. And that's, that's a powerful thing right there. I mean, that's like what an artist like lives for is that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Getting lost in that moment is probably like one of my most favorite things, uh, just about being alive at yeah. this point. Um, because it's, uh, I've done it often enough now that I, I can kind of feel when it's starting to come on. So it's, it's one of those things where not only are you participating in the thing that is creating that moment, but you're also able to kind of step outside of it a little bit and observe yourself in this process of creation. It's, uh, it, it's quite something to experience. If, if folks haven't had a chance to do that in their own lives, um, I would just recommend find something, you know, find anything that allows you to express yourself uh, through some sort of medium. Um, and just do it over and over and over again, because you will get better at it just from the, the process of, of repetition. Um, and eventually you'll start creating things that really even blow your own mind. Like you'll wonder how, how is it that I was able to create this thing that other people are just, you know, raving about. It's like you and your thumb, your thumbnails. I'm sure you get into like this flow. So you're like, oh, this is so fucking hilarious. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm sure every time those ideas, <laughs> yeah. like they, I don't know where they come from. I really don't. It's like with the thumbnails, a lot of times what'll happen is I'll, I'll just be like, you know, doom scrolling in the social ghettos or whatever. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll come across a meme 
And I'm like, oh man, if I, if I just add like this element here and that element there and like tweak this a little bit, oh, that looks like an album cover. Yes. And that's, that's kind of what I strive for when I do the thumbnails is, is to make something that is going to look more like an album cover than not. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you like leveraged that into like doing it for other people or offering that as a, something you offer as like a service or something? People um, pay good money to have those uh, types of thumbnails, man. Really? Oh hmm. yeah. Totally. I may have to explore that then. Cause I'm, yeah, you, I'm all about the multiple streams of income. So yeah, you know what? Well, but also, you know, what's so crazy too, is that like people will suggest things like that to me too. And it's like, the best part about it is you already have like a whole portfolio. Like you already have a whole portfolio of things that you can, like you can bring your offer to market. Like we talk about and be like, you already have your portfolio. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put any effort into this. Just be like, Oh yeah, here's just an offer out there. You can just leave it hanging out there and people are going to bite on it eventually. Like on fiber or something. It's like, I don't know. Hmm. It's like, Oh yeah, I guess I didn't even realize that. Like I've already done all the work. The body of work is just sitting there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's if true. that's something you want to I mean, do, it is true. But then also yeah. it's just a matter of like, Oh, is that something I actually want to do? And can I, you know, actually, have someone pay me what I feel it's worth, what my time is worth. You know what I mean? So it's like, if someone wants to give me like five bucks per thumbnail, I'll be like, nah, I'm good. But if they want to give me like hundred bucks a thumbnail, I'm like, okay, maybe we can talk, you know, I don't know. So yeah. Yeah. That but I don't bad. know. That wouldn't be bad. Yeah, totally, totally. I've been, I've been so focused on just trying to like produce quality media for so long yeah, that yeah. like all of these other things are, are outside of, uh, you know, my blinders, so to speak. Totally. Like I've just been so laser focused on, all right, I've got this project and I want to make it as good as it can possibly be. And then once I get to that point, I'm like, oh, well now I've got extra time. I can start another project. And so I'm at the point now where I've just like all, all of my time during the day is spent working on about four or five different projects. And I just kind of, you know, spread the time around. So that's, a, that's awesome, hopefully man. it's working. That's awesome. Well, I would, I would have a tough time uh, focusing if I were you in your situation, like consider all things mm-hmm. considered. Uh, and that's a perfect segue into this next thing. Like I want to talk about manufacturing reality and I want to tie that into some of the stuff and how that's influenced the work that I've been doing over here and we've been doing over here, but, um, I really want to hear an update about your journey. So, um, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if I was in freaking Acapulco, you're in Acapulco, right? Yes. Acapulco. If I was in Acapulco, Acapulco proper, if I was in Acapulco, I'd have a very tough time focusing on video editing and stuff so all right so james you do yeah you you uh you our paths crossed like a little ways before you actually made your move and you were out in maryland was it maryland virginia close to maryland okay 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 cool and and then you were driving through nashville and you're like hey man let's grab Mm -hmm. some dinner we we went out had some dinner and chatted it was a fantastic like you know several hour hang just it was very very cool and just uh, you broke all down, broke it down, like what your plans were. And, uh, I was just like, dude, this is like the coolest thing I've ever heard. So (laughs) tell the people a little bit about what your journey has been like traveling from Virginia to Acapulco or or what, what led up to that? What led up to that first before we talk about your journey? Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, what led up to it was, um, earlier this year in 2022 and God, it's, uh, it still amazes me sometimes it's only been 12 months um, that a lot of this yeah. stuff has happened. Uh, but uh, I was living in Virginia at the beginning of the year. Um, and I was uh, in my hometown of Winchester, Virginia. Uh, my mother received a diagnosis of cancer in um, well, she, she received the original diagnosis about two years prior. 
but things got really, really bad about the middle of March uh, this year to where she just wasn't able to take care of herself uh, at all anymore. Um, so I transitioned from being a media producer at that point to being a caregiver and, uh, you know, basically spent every waking moment of, I guess it was about three weeks, uh, from the time she got out of the hospital till the time that she passed, but, you know, just spent all of that time, uh, taking care of her. And then of course, after mom passed, uh, there was the settling of the estate between me and my sister, which I'm not going to go into detail on that sure. because it's just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, but again, long story short, what ended up happen happening is uh, where I had been living, which was uh, my mother's house at the time, uh, we ended up selling the property. And I was like, all right, well, now I need to find somewhere to live. Um, and, you know, things were pretty much wide open to where I could go wherever I wanted to do whatever I wanted to. Like, I, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Uh, mom was really like the only family that, you know, I, I'm able to, or I was able to have like a regular conversation with, um, cause most of my family is scattered around the world. They're all doing their own thing and they're absorbed in their own lives. And they don't really spend much time thinking about, uh, anybody else outside of, you know, I should probably call on Christmas or whatever. Um, so I was like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want to go. And I've always wanted to go to Acapulco. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I remember seeing it on, uh, you know, it was like the grand prize on, uh, uh, the price is right. Or, uh, any of those other game shows, uh, uh, what's the, uh, the $50,000 pyramid, you know, they would always have a, an all expenses paid trip to Acapulco as one of their grand prizes. Right. So that kind of got built up in my mind as a child as like, uh, it's one of those destinations in the world that, that you want to go, you know, before you die. Um, and I had also not spent really any time during my life traveling outside of the United States. Um, I made the odd trip to, to Tijuana here and there when I was in Southern California in my twenties, but outside of that, I'd never been outside the country. I tra traveled all around the, the United States in my twenties, but had never gone beyond its borders. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I got uh, a little bit of cash, uh, that can, uh, hopefully get me to, to bigger and better endeavors and the future is wide open. So why not go ahead and pull the trigger? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did. Um, you know, I had a very short amount of time to work with between the time that mom passed and the time that, uh, we ended up closing on, uh, on her house and, uh, splitting up the proceeds and all of that good stuff. Uh, it was about two and a half months, I think, uh, between those two events. And, um, you know, so I didn't go through the, the normal channels of getting a visa and a passport and, and all of that stuff. I was like, let's just see how far I can get without any of that stuff. And, uh, lo and behold, uh, here I am in Acapulco, uh, made it across the Southern border just fine. No problems on the drive, uh, down here. Really? Um, it, it, it was quite amazing. It, it was an amazing trip. Cause from the time that I saw you in Nashville, mm -hmm. I think it was about a week later was when I arrived in, uh, in Acapulco. Um, so it, yeah, it was, it was about a week and a half drive from uh, right outside of Washington, DC to, uh, get down here about 200 or so kilometers, 
due southwest of uh, Mexico City. And uh, it was just, it was an absolute blast. Um, I saw a lot of landscape that was just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I tried to take as many pictures as I possibly could, but since I was by myself, it was, uh, it was difficult to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, document every single location that I wanted to. Um, but I, I'll tell you folks, if you've never been out on a road trip, especially not within, you know, the last five or 10 years, get out and do it while you still have the chance. Because one of the major misconceptions that I was able to dispel in my own mind, uh, is the whole, uh, overpopulation thing, right? Mm -hmm. This planet is not overpopulated, not by a long shot. The United States, especially is not overpopulated. I can't tell you how many hours I spent on the road, just looking at land and land and more land and this is all undeveloped land no houses no subdivisions no plazas no uh, no nothing just land and it's it's just out there sitting empty so if you get the chance you know get out and and see the country because there i have a feeling it's not going to be too much longer before uh that movement is restricted I, yeah, you're totally right, man. Like even like from state to state, I mean, we saw maybe some of that, or maybe there was talk of that, them trying to do mm-hmm. that. Um, man, but yeah, you're so right. You know, I just moved across country myself and I can totally relate just large swaths of land, like going through Texas, even though mostly through most of my drive through Texas was at night, but still like, it's, uh, it's just wide open, man. Like, it's just crazy. Like we're not, that's the biggest myth there is, is that the world's deep overpopulated, right? It's like yeah. we have non-sustainable means of like, you know, I mean, maybe even not that, like, like it's all contrived. It's all contrived where it's like, if we focused our energy and our resources into actually doing good by humanity, we could totally do it without any problem. Like there's free energy. There's infinite, like mm-hmm. the earth is just an infinite source of everything. Like food just comes out of the ground. Like we could just plant, like, instead of like all these green lawns everywhere, we could just like have food everywhere. Like literally, like there's nothing anyway. So you're totally right about that. You're totally right about that. But I, I definitely can second that. So if you folks, if you haven't gotten out there, gone on a drive, traveled, like do it while we can, man. Do it while we can because we don't know. You know, it's the, the, this that funny ironic joke about how like, you know, pretty soon like all these patriots are gonna be like fleeing to Mexico, and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like we're all like coming across the border to Mexico seeking refuge from a tyrannical United States government. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I do have specific questions about that, but what are your thoughts on that? Like, are you seeing uh, maybe a lot of other people, similar situations, like a lot of other gringos down there or what's, what's that like? Uh Oh, you're muted. Is that me or you? Hold on. I lost sound. Oh, geez. Hello. There you go. There you go. All right. Okay. We're good. So Mm -hmm. yes. What's, what's the gringo update down there? (laughs) <laughs> there are a lot of gringos uh in okay. mexico i might just be the tallest uh, of uh them. gotcha uh, and, and the funny thing is it's not just americans like there are people there are literally expats from all over the world in mexico there is uh, a couple that me and uh, a buddy of mine down here we're going to be taking over their uh, living space at the end of january because they're going to be going back to Australia at that wow. time. They've mm. actually been here in Mexico for, well, for about the majority of the, uh, the scamdemic because they came over early 
in uh, 2020. And uh, they've been uh, they've been living here for yeah about two and a half years now. And uh, the wife of the couple just got a job with uh, the Australian government. So she actually has to be physically in Australia in order to perform the duties of her job. So that's why they're going to be heading back. But yeah, I mean, there's, I've met people from Canada. Um, I've met obviously other folks from the United States. I've met Europeans. Uh, there's uh, a few uh, Asian pockets in, uh, in Acapulco. I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, we, we always think of the United States as being a melting pot, you know, people coming from all over the world to the United States. And I guess for the majority of the 20th century, at least that was true. Uh, but there is a lot of influx into Mexico that is happening right now, not just people moving here from other countries, but businesses are relocating to Mexico. There's new uh, you know, processing facilities and manufacturing plants that are going up all over Mexico. I mean, it's it's literally boom time for Mexico right now. The the amount of capital that is being invested into the country, it's really incredible. Wow, that's really cool, man. Like, um, and so that kind of leads me to my next question, right? So like all the movies you see about Mexico, like the kind of what, maybe it's a very deliberate thing. Like they don't want, they want us to mm -hmm. think that, Mexico is like this crazy, awful third world country that you're going to die the second you cross the step foot in there. I mean, did you have any thoughts like that? And how does that compare with reality? Like the kind of the traditional American view of just like this chaotic third world cesspool that they have us believe Mexico is. Right. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd heard all of the propaganda growing up in the United States myself, right? That if, mm -hmm. if you ever go to Mexico, which you probably shouldn't, you know, because it's so dangerous, but if you do, these are the things that you want to do. And these are the places you want to go. And these are the places you don't want to go and all of that garbage. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things about the, the mode of transport that I took to get down here, uh, which was literally just driving myself in my old beat up Mitsubishi, um, across a giant landmass is you, again, you quickly discover just how much of that information is propaganda. Um, does it look different from locations in the United States? Yes. There, there are areas of Mexico that look vastly different from what I've seen in the United States, but then there are also areas that look exactly the same as what I was used to in the United States. Uh, there is nothing that is available in the United States that you cannot get in Mexico. You might have to look a little bit harder for it. You might have to put in a little bit more effort, but typically you can find it. Or if you can't find it locally, you can get it shipped in. And half the time it ends up being cheaper than what it would have been in the United States, which is the really mind blowing thing yeah. about it. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I always tell people, especially if you're in a situation like I was where you really hadn't traveled out of the United States all that much, and you're hearing all of these horror stories about these other countries in the world, don't believe a word of it. Okay. Cause part of what the United States state department was designed to do was to make sure that American citizens believed that they lived in the quote unquote greatest country on the face of the earth. And that 
if they were to go outside of the borders of that greatest country on the face of the earth, that they were putting themselves in peril. It's mm -hmm. absolutely not true. It's really not true. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get into trouble in Mexico or in other countries. You absolutely can. But you can also get into trouble in the United States doing the same dumbass stuff. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's all in your own perception of where you are. It really is. Yeah, totally. Totally, man. Like, it, I mean, you can get just as much trouble, like, on the mean streets of, like, Portland, Oregon. Like, there's some rough spots in Portland or here in Nashville. You know what I mean? Like, you can, I've driven, yeah. I've driven, I've driven into, like, because I still don't know where I'm at here. I've driven into some parking lots and, like, I walk out and there's, like, literally, like, six crackheads, like, in the parking lot, just like, Bruh! I was just like, zomb I'm like, dude, maybe I'll go down the road to the oh next my gas God. station. Imagine if like, you were oh, in San okay. Francisco. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's like Nashville problems. Yeah, San Francisco, dude, like you get, you can get totally, like I would say like parts of San Francisco are way more dangerous than the worst parts of freaking Mexico, man. Easily, <laughs> easily. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. So uh, did you get stopped at the border at all? What's that like going across the border? I did. I yeah. did. Um, so this was my experience at the border, which may or may not be representative, uh, of what other people will experience. So I deliberately, uh, did my schedule so that I was at the, uh, the Southern border on uh, a morning shift, right? Mm -hmm. I think I hit, um, trying to remember what the, what the name of the city outside of, uh, Texas was that I went through. I can't remember at the moment. It'll probably come to me later. But uh, anyway, I, I got to that city the uh, afternoon prior and I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to stop here and get a hotel room. And then literally like nine o'clock the next morning, I was I was at the southern border. Um, I got I initially got into the wrong lane as I was trying mm. to go across. And uh, the the gentlemen that uh, were there at at that particular checkpoint, they were very nice. They, they came running up to me and uh, directed me over to the proper lane. So I, I didn't, you know, look like too much of a, uh, a dumbass holding up everybody else. Um, and then I got to the part where uh, there's a um, trying to think how to describe it. So you're, you're going through like a uh, it, it's, it's like a checkpoint, right? There's, there's uh, separated lanes and there's uh, uh armed guards and, and, uh, it's, it's very militarized at the Southern mm. border, even, you know, as you're, as you're going, I guess you would call it like the proper way to cross the border where you're actually going through the checkpoints. Right. Um, so I was going through, uh, one of the stages of the border crossing and there's a camera off to the side that, uh, scans you and your vehicle. Right. And I guess it records like the dimensions of the vehicle and, um, I'm sure there are probably like scales that you're driving across that measure the weight of the vehicle mm. and all that sort of stuff. And for whatever reason, uh, my vehicle set off the, uh, the sensors, right? So I got, uh, pulled out of the lane over to the side, uh, by a, uh, young Mexican man and a young Mexican, uh, woman in, uh, uh, military fatigues. Um, and they had me get out of the car, uh, open up the car and the trunk and uh they were you know kind of they were inspecting the stuff that i had in my car because my car was like fully packed right it had like all my clothes and my gear and basically everything i could pack into it um and so they were kind of they weren't really like manhandling anything they were you know poking bags and and like they'd lift a lid off of something but it wasn't like invasive at all uh the uh the gentleman 
then asked me a series of maybe two or three questions. I think it was, he, he asked me for ID, uh, or no, actually he didn't ask me for ID. Now think about it. He asked me uh, where I was going. Um, he asked me where I was coming from. And, uh, I think that was about it. So no passport, nothing you didn't make you show no. a passport. No. Okay. Yeah. See, I've no. heard about that too. Like no passport. You just go. No, I know you need no, the passport it, to get back in, but you know, it is what it probably, is. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Perhaps, I mean, I didn't, maybe. I maybe didn't have anybody need. ask me for a passport until I went to rent my apartment, like mm. two weeks after I had been here. That was the first time anybody asked me for a passport. Matter of fact, that was the last time anybody asked me for a passport, oh, uh, wow. which is really, really interesting. But I mean, yeah, I went from the southern border uh, all the way through the country of Mexico, like literally through the from the east coast all the way through the desert down to uh, here in Acapulco on the southwestern coast. Uh, I got uh, flagged by a cop on the federal highway in Mexico City. Uh, and he pulled me over, but that was before I could really speak much Spanish. And when I told him I didn't speak Spanish, he, he was just like, all right, go ahead and keep going. Wow. And I mean, that was pretty much it. Wow. That's amazing. How's your Spanish coming along? My Spanish is getting better. It's Good, getting better. Uh, awesome. If you put me on the spot, I'll be like a deer in headlights, but yeah, uh, it yeah. is getting better because I can go out. I can order food on my own. I don't need anybody's help. Uh, I can talk to the nice young lady down the street that does my laundry. Um, and I can talk to, to the folks down, uh, at the water store. So, uh, it's cool. all good, man. That's, a, yeah. that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So some people in the chat are curious what it's like if you're uh, in your situation and you want to find work. I know primarily like if you can have remote work, that's ideal. Mm -hmm. But if you were in a situation where you wanted to work or is there even any opportunity to do any sort of like entrepreneurial stuff down there? Like if you want to do like some handyman stuff or like, is there any room for that at all? Or is it even legal? That's an excellent question that I am probably not going to be equipped to answer Okay, totally. uh, because I, I, yeah, I haven't had to, to go out and look for work since yeah. I've been down here. I've had, you know, my own thing that I've been doing. And yeah. fortunately, uh, I don't require an income from, you know, an outside source at the moment. Uh, cool. hopefully that continues because I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, yeah. but I would imagine, uh, because, you know, again, I've, spent a good deal of time talking to the other expats that are down here. Uh, there's work to be had, gotcha. you know, whether you're looking to work remotely online through Fiverr or Upwork or, or some, you know, uh, some service like that, that's available. Uh, there's always stuff to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I imagine being, being brand new, in the country, you probably have to build up a little bit of a reputation with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people that, that you're able to develop relationships with. But mm -hmm. once you can get like, if you can do that in a city in the United States, you can do it down here. The only barrier that you're going to have is the language. So if you can speak yeah. Spanish and you don't have a problem talking to people and figuring out, you know, what their problems are and how you might be able to add value to their lives by solving them, you'll be just fine. You know, the, the people down here really, um, they're, they're, I'm trying to think of, of how to put this. Like they're, they're not necessarily going to open up to you just because yeah, you course. act friendly towards them, oh, right? Of course. They're, yeah. they're going to have to feel you out first. But 
once they figure out that you're, you know, you're trustworthy, the, these are some of the most generous people I have ever encountered in my entire life. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. You know, I've, I've spent plenty of time in cities in the United States throughout the course of my life. And I have never felt as at home in a large city as I do right now, because everybody here is so welcoming. They really are. It's, it's mind blowing. That's amazing. How, well, how about, Oh, excuse me, about how big is Acapulco? Like what's the population there? Uh, right now, <laughs> cause it, here's, here's the thing with Acapulco. So, okay. uh, in the winter, right it's probably now, a lot, a lot more crowded, huh? Yes. Yes. It is a lot more crowded in the winter and it's primarily because the weather is a lot nicer during the Uh, winter here. Exactly. So we just passed out of the rainy season, maybe about three, four weeks ago. It's, it's still kind of cooling down a little bit. I'm told that it's uh, unseasonably warm for this time of year. Um, But it's, it's about as close to perfect as you can get right now. So this uh, weather will continue probably up until about April or May. So Acapulco will be somewhere in the neighborhood of about a million to a million and a half people. Um, And maybe a little bit more than that over the course of the next six months. And then uh, once the rainy season comes back, it'll shrink down to about half a million people. Wow. That's amazing. So that's cool, man. So, uh, so I have a few more questions here regarding this and I want to get into manufacturing reality here. So, um, like how much, like, I know it's obviously le- uh, the, the cost of living is quite a bit less. Is there like a comparison we can make? Like I'm trying to think of like an, an object, like how much is like a gallon of gas down there? Well, see, that's, uh, that might actually be, yeah, that might actually be the, the wrong way to compare oh, okay. it because, uh, yeah, Mexico's petroleum industry is nationalized. Um, so, uh, the, the price of gas is controlled by the government. Okay. Uh, so now, maybe keep it the, the same as other that, world markets, maybe yeah. or something or yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, gas down here is roughly about the same as it was, or at least as far as what I was seeing on my trip down, it was about the same in okay. the United States and, uh, and Mexico when I was making the trip down here. And honestly, I haven't bought gas <laughs> since I got down okay. here cause I don't drive. Okay. Like, okay. Cool. Transportation down here is excellent. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so a gallon of gas was costing about the same as a liter of gas at that how about time. A, how about um, a pack of tortillas? How much for a pack of tortillas? Because I'm spending dude, five I, bucks right now for the ones that don't have hydrogenated oil in it. Yeah, five I'm not. Bucks. I'm not spending five bucks for <laughs> a pack of tortillas. That's that's not happening. Um, I'm trying to think of like something that I can compare it to. Well, chicken would probably be the the best to. Uh, I think make an analogy with so right now and Mexico has experienced a little bit of inflation over the course of the last 12 to 16 months or so. Uh, but a pound of chicken right now is about six bucks. Cause I think it's, okay. it's like 120 pesos, which is round about six bucks. Yeah. That's not, um, that's not too terribly bad, yeah. but it is less yeah. expensive generally than like nice. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming, maybe I'm assuming, but like the, the farm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like I'm thinking like the farming practices, like the factory farming nonsense, all the hormones and nonsense that they put in the chickens up here. Maybe it's way worse down there. I don't know. You know, I don't know. No, no, it's actually, it's uh, better because Mexico has banned all GMOs. Oh, you see that folks. And all of they, 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 your government's got you thinking that Mexico is some primitive third world country. 
and they're way ahead of the curve. Damn. Dude. Yeah. Now here's the thing that could change at some point in the future, right? Oh, yeah. Some, some new regime could come into the government and completely tear all of that down. Uh, but for right now, Mexico, it, and it is law, uh, Mexico will not allow any GMO food products uh, to be grown or sold anywhere that's, in the country. That's fascinating, man. I feel like that's a good story right there. I want to look more into that because like you really think it your was government... one of the things that drew me down here. Yeah, it really so, was. That's so amazing. It's like like over here. It's like, oh, yeah, your government cares about you so much. They just want to inject you with so many different things for your health. Right. It's for your health. It's for your safety. But and then you look at like another country and they literally are outlawing. GMOs. That's so crazy, man. That's so crazy. Okay. So that, that kind of puts things into context and perspective, everybody. There you go. What's, uh, what's the COVID cult like down there? What's, what's that situation like? It's not different from what you see in the United States, um, yeah. or at least in the city, it's not different. I would say about half of the people down here are still wearing masks. Um, most of like your restaurants, your retail stores, your, uh, your supermarkets, even the gas stations. Cause, uh, again, in Mexico, you do not pump your own gas because mm. again, it's nationalized. So they employ people oh, okay, uh, yeah. by like putting them on the pumps. Right. That's how it is in Oregon. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never, the, literally, I never pump... establishments. They're still masked up. That's crazy. I'd never pump my own gas till I left Oregon, like my whole life, like never. <laughs> oh wow it's crazy yeah it's wow. crazy so yeah uh, but so yeah it's uh you know they've they've rolled out the shots down here just like they have yeah. everywhere else um it, it's not a uh a common topic of conversation at least it, it doesn't come up in the conversations that that i have with people here locally uh but then again i'm more interested in learning about the the local culture and you know how how folks go about living down here because to me it's a brand new experience um, but, uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like the propaganda took as well here in yeah. Mexico as it did in the United States, or I don't know, maybe it's just that the, uh, the culture down here doesn't really lend itself very well to the propaganda because a lot of these, uh, communities in Mexico are still very tight knit, even if they're large, like Acapulco is, there's still a lot of uh, local history and the family uh, structure is still very much intact uh, in Mexico. Like, you know, for example, the, the elders of the community down here in Mexico, like if, if grandpa is not able to do something for himself anymore, he doesn't become a burden to the family mm -hmm. at that point. The family is the whole, or uh, taking care of grandpa is the whole reason why the, the family structure is there in the first place, right? It's, it's so that, that when people find themselves in that situation, they have that, uh, that support net uh, to, to fall back on. Um, it's, Again, one of the things that just kind of absolutely blew my mind as I got down here and started learning about my surroundings was seeing the amount of what in the United States they would call elderly people, people in their 70s, 80s, 90s, who are still very much a part of the community. Mm. You know, there, there's uh, street vending is is a huge thing in Mexico, right? Like uh, if if you want to be an entrepreneur, you can go worse places than Mexico 
in yeah. order to, to apply your trade, whatever it is that you're going to do. Uh, I mean, there's literally people at intersections that will come out and uh, do like a juggling act while you're sitting at the red light and then go through and like collect tips from all the cars that are waiting for the light to change. Um, it's, it's really unique. That's amazing. But, um, man. COVID has changed things somewhat, but I don't think it's going to be as lasting an impact on Mexico as it is in some other places. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, what, what I think your analysis is dead on. Like, it seems like, you know, if you're in a place like that, it's like the old, um, I think Doug Stanhope had a really good joke. Was it Doug Stanhope where he's like, you know, the only place where the comedy really works is when it's really dreary and depressing. It's like, they don't have stand up comedy clubs like in, in, in the Bahamas because everybody's already smiling. They don't need comedy. So it only works from right. people where people are really like depressed. So it's like in Acapulco, everybody's like, yeah, they're like, no, dude, I'm good. I'm not afraid of the air. The air looks beautiful today. I think I'm all set. So it's like, you know, maybe there's a degree of that too. So, all right, oh, yeah. well, as we're winding down here, let's talk about manufacturing reality. So uh big shout out to manufacturing reality because you have been doing amazing work over there. Uh, manufacturingreality.org. You guys, there's links to all of James's stuff in the description, but look at that. He's got a whole new set of awesome killer thumbnails all over the place too, you guys. So um, a big shout out though, because you published uh, the series also, and dude, you do, you do awesome work all over the place, but Matt, there's Maddie, Maddie Bannon, who is now a contributor at the last American vagabond. Uh, yep. We, we reposted her work um, on the last American vagabond Substack page. So kudos to James and manufacturing reality for, uh, you know, helping her get platformed and giving her the, means to get her voice and 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 her uh work out there like these are really in-depth really amazing articles um originally posted on on uh manufacturing reality so mm -hmm. a big shout out man like uh great great job great work over here so tell us and then you have your um so you got a bunch of articles too so i mean we may be talking here you know at some point mm -hmm. like we're at the we're at the very infant stage of the last american vagabond Substack, and i've been told to like you know uh you know what i mean like we're just we're just kind of taking it easy over there but uh but we're, we're trying you know it's like um you guys like are the, cranking out posts man well i'm trying dude i'm trying but uh it's like uh it's like that scene in the joker where he's like now we're we're uh we're on the cusp of some rapid expansion or whatever it is right mm -hmm. so who wants to join our team you know that sort of thing where it's like <laughs> so so we're getting there we're getting there but i feel like we have such a cool pool of people to pull from and uh, so we're, we're, we'll talk, but I appreciate you, uh, you know, allowing us to then republish Maddie's work on the last American Vagabond. And we always give you shout outs, like right at the top, you guys, please go check out manufacturing reality. Bam, bam, bam. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I do yeah, appreciate that too. Yeah, dude, totally, totally. Like we're all in this thing together, man. The, the, the tide raises all ships sort of thing. So uh, tell us about manufacturing reality and manufacturing history and anything else you want to highlight here. Well, I mean, manufacturing reality is uh, the platform that I created, you know, back at the very beginning when I decided that media was, you know, kind of the thing that I wanted to spend, I guess, the rest of my life doing because uh, I spent the first uh, 40 something years not really producing anything that I saw as uh, being of particular value. And uh, I made a conscious decision through uh throughout the course of the scan scamdemic to uh, change that going forward. Uh, so I created this website uh, and uh, named my uh, production company after it, Manufacturing Reality Media. And nice. that's basically the, uh, the stamp that everything gets uh, issued under, whether it's Grand Theft World Liberty Radio or 
It's, uh, you know, the essays that I had done before I started uh, getting into podcasting, um, you know, whatever it is, or manufacturing history, even all these different ideas that I've come up with that I've been able to create uh, something, whether it's a digital or an actual like physical asset from it. Um, you know, these, these all fall under the auspices of manufacturing reality because originally I wanted it to be kind of a poke at, uh, at the globalists, right? Cause mm -hmm. what they're doing, I call social engineering, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're, they're tweaking this and they're, they're nudging that and they're trying to get people to, uh, exhibit the type of behavior that they want to see from them and not the stuff that they don't want to see. And they're, they're using all these different little, uh, tricks that they've developed over the course of time. And, uh, so I, I wanted to, the name to have something to do with that, but of course, uh, all the different permutations that I would come up with, with, you know, engineering society or something like that, like these were all taken, like there was nothing that, uh, hmm. um, that was really still available that I thought was going to be any good. And so I just started playing with words. And I was like, all right, well, let's let's switch these words around and see what we can come up with. And the one that ended up sticking was uh, was manufacturing reality. And it was really interesting because what I be began to discover as I was getting into it early on is that in the process of producing media and sharing that media with other people who consume it, that is actually manufacturing reality. Like we, we are creating a perspective that may or may not have been in existence prior to the creation of that piece of media. And then of course, when you share it with others, people are investing their, you know, their own time into it, their own energy, their own belief. And it starts to kind of take on a life of its own after that. Um, so it's, again, it would, I meant for it to be something very uh, pedestrian and utilitarian, right? I just wanted it to be uh, a label that, that I could use in order to create media. But again, over the course of time, it has become something much greater than that. And especially, um, you know, I count my blessings every single day that I was fortunate enough to have been put into a position to see the post that Maddie made in discord in the menu or in the uh, media monarchy community one day saying that she was researching this group that she called the COVID collaborative. And it was literally as simple as me responding to her post and saying, well, if you get it written up, I'll publish it for you. You know, I'll, I'll give you the platform to be able to, to get it out and share it with people. Um, and that was literally how that whole thing got started. Um, and you know, looking back on that, I never imagined that she was going to produce the caliber of work that she has put out. I mean, she has done a fantastic job, uh, with that investigative series and there's still more coming folks. Like mm -hmm. she's not done. Um, there are, uh, future plans, let's say, I don't want to let mm -hmm. too much of the cat out of the bag. Uh, but there are still other things that this particular property is uh, going to become in the future. So uh, uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Yeah, dude, that's so awesome, man. And uh, I love that. I love the idea of like, okay, so the manufacturing reality concept in and of itself 
it's like, yeah, it's like an, an, an acknowledgement of these ruling people. They're trying to manufacture this whole whatever, but it's like, an, an, but we can invert that and we can gain power from it too. It's like, we are in charge of manufacturing our own reality too. Just simple little gestures, simple little intersections of two people or two thoughts happening at the same time, like spark these amazing things. That's like how every huge thing that's ever come to be was like, just like maybe just one thought. And then, um, outside inspiration somewhere else like they collided and blew into this amazing thing and it's like we literally have the power to manufacture our reality i like us having this conversation is probably manufacturing some thoughts in somebody's head about yeah dude i work online why am i why i should go to acapulco you know what i mean like we're manufacturing things right now every conversation we have and you know my hope and my goal throughout all this is with each one of these conversations is to manufacture like positivity and uh, give people like help people you know realize that you know if you're not happy or if there's something missing in your life to just go get it, go get it. I talk about it in every single, like as much as I possibly can, whether that's starting a project or, or looking for ways to get more autonomy in your life. Um, just a side hustle and just every step towards, you know, becoming more food independent or just anything, anything, any, anything we can manufacture our reality. And right now there's never been a better time because these systems that we rely on or just, you know, are a part of to one degree or another, like they're dying, they're collapsing. You know, the mm -hmm. lives cannot hold up any longer. It's literally just collapsing and right in front of our face. And we have this beautiful yeah. opportunity to build something new and amazing out of it. And so we can manufacture our own reality out of this. It's so amazing. That's right. That's right. And that's the thing is we are supposed to be autonomous creatures. We are not supposed to be dependent on a government for the things that we need in our lives. What, whatever those things are, because everybody's needs are a little bit different, right? We're, we're not supposed to be interchangeable parts uh, of an oppressive system. Uh, like our potential as, as a species is so incredibly great that the, the average human brain, I don't think can actually even conceptualize like what a human being ultimately is possible uh, or is uh, capable of doing, Right. Like the, the things that, that we can do with, you know, these few pounds that we've got up here locked behind uh, our skulls, we can literally create anything that we want. It's just up to us to have the, uh, uh, you know, the will to do it and, and then also to have the freedom to do it as well, because you're never going to be able to create anything of lasting value doing it by somebody else's rules. You, you have to be able to uh, explore, you know, the concepts on your own. You, you have to, you have to try and fail, right? You, you have to, uh, you have to go through adversity to get to a point where you can reflect on the, the progress that you've made to that point and then go, okay, now I know I can go one step further or I can go 10 steps further or I, you know, whatever. Um, we're, we're not supposed to be pigeonholed into these tiny little boxes with neat little labels on them. And then that's all that we're ever going to be. Um, there's so much more in this universe that is available to us. And it all starts with understanding that most of the limitations that the average person suffers with, they've placed on themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so. all self-imposed. Absolutely, man. And so it's crazy once you start to break through that conditioning and break through those barriers that, and you realize how artificial they are. And you realize like the outside mechanisms that were 
that that placed them there in the first place, you know? And it can be scary. It's really, really scary stepping outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you know, like you just took a plunge into the great unknown, you know? But uh, but usually from my experience as well, like those things are the ones that tend to pay off, right? Yeah. Like I have I have yet to take a huge risk that really didn't like like in terms of these things, where whether it's like oh, and I can't, you know, maybe I should like say that because you could probably <laughs> screw things up pretty bad if you're not using your discernment that your brain gives you. But like at the same time, like these big bold moves that are in the direction of autonomy and freedom in our lives, you know, generally pay off big time, you know. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about my backstory. So, um, yeah. you know, a lot of folks probably don't know this, but in early February of 2021, uh, I walked away from the, basically easy money. Uh, I had been hired by a corporation the previous November and was being trained up to that point. Not very well, I might add, but I was being trained. Um, and I was going to be taking over my own office doing sales. And I was looking at probably making eh, 75 to hundred K a year based on the product that I was going to be selling as well as the skill that, that I had been able to gain, uh, just as a salesperson in general over the course of my life. And I saw, you know, probably what everybody else was seeing at that time is because that was when the mandates were starting to come in. Employers were forcing their employees to take the shots. And I was like, no, I, I don't want any part of that world. And I literally just one day walked away from it. And a couple days later decided, all right, well, now I got to do something. So I guess I'm going to point myself in this direction and I haven't looked back. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So um shoot man anything else on the horizon like anything else that you're excited about or just keep plugging along or? there's uh well there's always stuff on the horizon that's okay. uh that's the good thing about being an entrepreneur right yes, there's exactly. there's always a new idea just waiting to creep into your head um but you know mostly i'm going to uh continue working on the projects that i have in front of me um liberty radio will continue into the foreseeable future uh, manufacturing history. I'll keep putting out, uh, hopefully every week going forward. We'll see however yeah. long it goes. It's, it's really more, uh, for fun than anything else. Uh, yeah. but I do enjoy putting them together. Um, and, uh, we're going to move, uh, the location uh, of the studio again at the end of January. So that's kind of where my focus is at the moment, making that as uh, painless as a process as possible. Uh, and once I get past that point future's wide open man that's awesome man and then of course you guys the the drizzle on twitter like it's a very fun follow i highly recommend it he's always uh <laughs> is up to up to no good posting very uh sarcastic yes. hilarious things all the time so what is the drizzle yes. I've, I've always been curious what is the d-r-i-z-l what is that in reference? yeah so that is uh that was my gamer tag oh, that okay. i started with xbox live back in Oh, good God. Was it 2002, 2003, something like that? Um, and it it followed me through all of those years up until now. It's still my gamer tag uh, on gotcha. Xbox Live. I just don't play as much uh, as I used to. Uh, and that's a good thing. It's definitely a yeah. good thing. Yeah. Um, and over the years, I'd done a little bit of research to see exactly how unique it was. And it turns out. Uh, there's me and one other dude in the United States uh, who last time I checked lives somewhere in Arizona. 
uh, who used some derivation of these words as uh, uh, as like a digital identifier online because mm-hmm. I had it as my gamer tag uh, when I had or well when I was paying attention to the Facebook account that I have I guess it's still there um, you know it was linked to that I had it as my Twitter handle you know it was it was basically my name online sure. right yeah yeah yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, well, it's already attached to me, so I might as well own it and turn it into a property. Um, there you go. And so essentially it's, uh, you know, it's my, my alter ego. Uh, when I go. feel that I can't say something as, you know, just a uh, regular dumb guy, James, uh, I have the drizzle. I can, there I can go. flip that switch and I can go into that character and drizzle can say whatever, whatever he wants to. He, exactly. There are no limits on, on the drizzle speech. Um, awesome. So it's, you know, just uh, something fun to play around with um, that I don't take too seriously, but uh, other people have taken way more seriously than I have. So it's uh, it's just it's an interesting toy. Awesome, man. So, well, yeah, man. Well, thank you so, so, so much, man. You're doing just amazing work. I hope everybody here goes and checks it out. You guys like, like, let's go support James. He's got a value uh, link right there at the very top, but all the links, it looks like there's Liberty radio right there at manufacturing reality.org. Go back and review some of his more recent, or just go back into the archive of his posts. You know, it looks like he's been going all of it. So March, 2021. So you guys, this is like, I can't, I can't tell you enough, like how much awesome work James is doing. James, keep up the great work. Um, keep me posted. If you ever need to come on and shout something out, if you ever need to like, you know, whatever, whatever, just let me know, man. And just, uh, you know, your, your, your dedication to the truth and to, you know, just the community in general, like, it's just like, it's very awesome, man. So like, I know a lot of people really, really appreciate all the hard work that you do. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, you're welcome, man. But uh, honestly, uh, the, the work that you're doing, uh, on, on your own show, as well as with T lab, um, that is every bit as important, uh, as what I have done, if not more so, ah, uh, we're all, we're all cogs again. Yeah. Well, we, we need to, you know, provide the, the resistance, the pushback on this insane narrative, yeah. uh, that is trying to be installed into everybody's brain, literally trying yeah. to be installed yep, yep, into yep. everybody's brain. Um, you know, as much as I hate the uh, the notion of the Hegelian dialectic, um, if there is no opposition to the the transhumanist agenda, then we're pretty much going to guarantee that that's what our future holds. So, you know, we have to provide something in in the way of uh, a counter narrative to what these parasites are trying to accomplish, because it is absolutely terrifying the the world that they're trying to bring into existence in my opinion i mean i agree 100 with you on that and so maybe we'll all be fleeing to mexico here sooner rather than later so i might see you sooner <laughs> than you know so i, I hope not but we got plenty <laughs> of room so awesome, if you need man. to come on down yes yeah. yes save, save me a spot on the couch if i need to crash out there man so oh, all right always, james always. well thank you thank you so much brother you guys links to all of his stuff are in the description go go please support him and go check out his work uh the website here is rebunk.news and thank you all for hanging out oh we got widby bear dropped a uh, uh bonus chat or whatever you want to call it like a tip in the thing nice. so thank you widby bear appreciate it man and uh, all the rest That's of you how guys you do hanging it. out and chatting like much love to all of you and we'll see you next time peace and